everyone, today I wanted to talk a bit about the science fiction comic book that I illustrated called Heaven's Decoded Shadows of the Ancient Architect, written by Ronnie Lescoufler of Cypher Comics. This story is a blend of science fiction and fantasy. It follows Earth scientist Dr. Reggie Rocklin as he discovers a vast alien conflict that spans the entire galaxy. On one side you have the pirate outlaws, the Othax, and on the other side you have the Learners, a group of cunning explorers who seek to learn the mysteries of the galaxy. Our character Reggie is thrown in the middle of this conflict and must discern who he can really trust. Working on the art for this story was really fun because I got to tap into my sci-fi comic art style, uh, but also kind of blending in some of those fantasy elements. So it is kind of a blend of Star Wars, Star Trek, but also Lord of the Rings and Dungeons and Dragons, and kind of being able to blend all these elements together. We've been working on the story for two years, and it's really starting to come together now. We will be launching the Kickstarter for part one, the first 36 pages, on April 22nd. Now, if you don't know what a Kickstarter is, it's essentially a fundraiser, but there are different levels of rewards depending on how much you donate. If you donate $12, you do actually get the physical copy of the book itself, but if you donate to a higher tier, it, like $20 or $30, uh, you will get things like posters or t-shirts or trading cards uh, featuring artwork that I've done. It just depends on which reward tier that you choose. They will be available and they will be specified what you would be getting, depending on how much you donate. The idea is to raise enough money to get this book printed and in your hands to read. But if we don't raise the $1,200 that we're trying to meet, uh, the book can't get printed. And you, the money that you would donate would be returned back to you if we don't hit our goal. If you enjoy what I do and the artwork that I make, please consider donating to the Kickstarter. It helps me build up my portfolio more. It helps me continue on the, this career path. Thank you so much and stay safe out there. Hey, welcome. We're here doing the Nova Files podcast. I'm Peter from Medallion Comics. And I'm Ian Miller from Turbo Threat Comics. Yeah. And uh, join us as we talk about a bunch of random stuff that pops up into our geeky heads. Crazy. Yeah, sure. Because uh, the multiverse theory is pretty much history branches in two we create one earth we make the choice and a second where you didn't so yeah it's it's logical that way and a lot of people were left confused at the end of the end game because steve goes back to the past i'm like let, let's follow the rules of time travel for a second the steve that we come to know is still frozen in the past so the steve in the future that goes back into the past you know and lived out his whole life at that point. Yeah. In his case, he probably, that was probably a split timeline. He lived out his life. Yeah. Yeah. Because I just think it's highly irresponsible if you travel back in time with all that knowledge. Like Jesus Christ, what? He let the Howard Stark die? Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, it's like, that's what happened. Like he went back in time and lived out his life, and then returned to the other timeline to, to say goodbye. Yeah. 
And, well, I yeah. think he had followed the logic saying, if I do anything to really mess up this timeline, you know, that will create even more branches. Mm-hmm. I know, um, like I said earlier, for Dragon Ball. Dragon Ball did time travel smart in that they had, uh, did you ever watch Dragon Ball? Just... I watched the first uh, years. I haven't seen uh, the rest of the series. I okay, but you know, like, who Trunks is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In Trunks' timeline, everyone died. So we went back in time to give Goku medicine that didn't, it, well, it wouldn't exist for another few years. So what does that do? It changes the timeline. But the second he went back and altered things, more things started to change because of the new deviation in the timeline. For example, the androids were even stronger in that timeline because Goku was still alive, or like, theoretically. But when Trunks went back to his timeline, he found out that nothing had changed and everything was the same. That's because, you know, when you travel back in time with future knowledge and you affect the past, where does that future knowledge, information, and that person come from? That person would just be removed from the timeline. So, oh, you, you just erase your timeline. You just erase the person who went back in time, which prevented any of the changes from happening. It's a paradox. It's like the, yeah, the flashpoint theory. Mm-hmm. What's that? Well, you, you remember the story of like Flashpoint, right? Yeah. Or uh, Flash goes back in time and it prevent his mother's murder. So in doing so, even though he had knowledge of the future, you know, he changed it, it drastically. And any real knowledge that he had, you know, of his powers were gone. He knew, he knew the speed force. He knew, you know, who he was. But as the story progressed, his memories were starting to change to mm-hmm. fit this particular new timeline. So that knowledge was being rewritten. Yeah. But once again, that's like, lazy time travel writing like what would they say yes when you traveled back in time you created a time quake that not only affected the future but also affected past events that you had nothing to do with i just like read that i'm like that's so incredibly stupid (laughs) but it it makes for good storytelling but the problem with time travel in that it's how much none of it matters in the end because the way they all make alterations like you're in a new timeline. This new timeline doesn't matter because it's not your timeline. It's not the correct timeline. Therefore, you're going to go back in time and erase any of this from happening. Erase all those people. It's such a mind fuck to get around, so to speak. It's true. It's true. And this is why I try. I will very try hard not to use time time travel on my stories. Yeah. I plan to use time travel in one of my stories, but as proof that some of the characters will try changing the past, but they're constantly told it won't change. And like they do it regardless and only to find out that nothing they did matter because they changed the fates for other people. That's that other timeline. Oh, if you want to hear a, a future idea of mine, uh, one thing I wanted to do was I would make an event in my comic that would be kind of traumatic, really affect people. And then the next issue, what you would see is kind of an alternate timeline. You'd see them right away in that the person wanted things to be different. Like you make it, it makes you think like, oh my God, this person changed the past or something. And now we're in a new timeline. But what we're seeing is that instead you have a different timeline, the one character interacting with the character from our timeline in that the memories are spilling between each other because 
there's an event coming and they need knowledge from our timeline to prevent it. So in the sense that it'd kind of be like a mind fuck in that we're in an alternate timeline. We think somebody rewrote the past, but in reality, no, it's just, it's two timelines talking to each other. It, it, I explain it poorly. It's it'd be much cooler if it's if it's when it gets written, but there's so much more cool stuff you can do with time travel rather than the same tropes we keep seeing over and over again. But it's just that uh, people haven't figured it out how to you know really write time travel you know differently. Is mm-hmm. right. We do follow the same same trope. We we find okay, you change something in the past, it'll affect the future. Pretty simple, mm-hmm. but. You have to be more creative than that, you know. Um, it, it's tough. It's very tough to do. Yeah. Like one question was, uh, I don't know if you ever saw uh, the TV show Eureka. No, but I was told it was very good. Yeah, I would recommend checking it out. There is one episode where they actually did. They changed the timeline and they were back in their current time only to find out that they had lived completely different lives. Oh. So one character was now married. He had kids when before he hadn't even met that woman who he's married to. So now he's in somebody else's life and it becomes uh, it became a, a point of contention in that the wife basically said that you killed my husband because you erased everything about him to replace him with yourself. You see that, folks? Real life consequences of these type of things. I remember I was watching this um, YouTube video where it's like, what's a movie? that when you stop and think about the ending, it gets really bad. And one of them was Back to the Future because Marty changed his entire family's timeline and they're completely different people. The longer the time they spend with Marty, the more they're gonna realize that Marty's a completely different person. Not to mention the fact that now the parents are gonna be like, why the fuck does Marty look like that Calvin Klein guy from high school? It's actually interesting. (laughs) I'm glad you brought this up. Because there was a Back to the Future comic uh, that was released back in uh, 2015 mm-hmm. for the anniversary. Then she did a story where, <laughs> where George McClane, she goes up to Doc Brown saying, where's Calvin Klein? I forget how that story ended, but I remember it was a very funny explanation. I'm going to have to look that up. Oh, speaking of Back to the Future, you know they just made a Back to the Future and Transformers crossover? Yes, I did. Wait, I gotta show you something. One second. Oh God! <laughs> Here we go. Oh, you didn't. Oh, you did. Take oh. a lot. It's a transforming DeLorean. I love it. <laughs> I have. I have to be honest. I think it was inevitable that it was gonna happen. No, no. Like Transformers, like the toy line has been doing a lot of interesting crossovers. In that they've been making Transformers of famous vehicles. Yeah. Say, so, okay, I have two of them. It's Gigawatt, and which one's the other one? It's oh, Ecto One, the the car from Ghostbusters. Okay, if they haven't made a crossover over for that yet, let's you and I write it. <laughs> oh no, but it's really cool because you have the Transformers universe crossing over with other franchises. Yeah. So, like, they have a story where the Decepticons rewrite the timeline where they won the war. So, Doc Brown and some Transformers, including this new guy, Gigawatt, who becomes the time-traveling DeLorean, have to set 
time correctly. And then the other one, which is, a, they're all in comic form, which is good, yeah. uh, is the Ghostbusters teaming up with Ecto-1 to stop Gozer or something like that. That's amazing. Yeah. I know they also made a Knight Rider uh, Transformer, but that was like the first one in the line and like, I never watched Knight Rider, so it didn't really interest me much. But that means, sorry? Uh, I'm sorry, yeah, I was never a big fan of it either. Yeah, I think it's before our time. Yeah, I would say that. Like if we were a little older back in that day, we'd probably be more into it. But like now they're making the Blackbird from uh, X-Men, the animated series, into a Transformer. And it makes you wonder what other famous vehicles can we turn into Transformers? So there's like... A Batmobile. Okay, that is a given. <laughs> okay, that, that's the one's a given, but that one's gonna be a little bit harder, like, because it's Hasbro and Warner Brothers. Uh, I, you know what I can think of? The Party Wagon from Ninja Turtles. Yes, that's perfect. Yeah. Oh, what are the famous vehicles? Okay. Uh, hmm. Okay, this is a bit of a reach, but uh, let's try it anyway. Uh, the Enterprise. I can see that. We have other spaceship transformers. The Mach 5. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And you know what? You turn the Mach 5 into a quintuplet train changer, like six shot. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, ideas are coming in my head now. Uh, that's, the best, that's the best thing about being creative, man. Like, you hear something, and then boom. Like, I got an entire universe ready to go in my mind. <laughs> okay, from creative to creative. What's an idea you had one time that came from the weirdest place? Weirdest place. Oh, let me think about this now. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. I had this idea. Um, yeah, just, just yeah, this idea where I had this regular guy, um, you know, ever show had this girlfriend who's actually uh, possessed by a demon. Mm -hmm. And the weirdest place I got this from was the exorcist. That's fine. Yeah, but like, the exorcist is a straight up horror movie, you know, where this is really an action comedy. And, and, and picture this: the girlfriend is, you know, that who originally was before she was possessed, not a nice woman. You didn't know why the hell these two were together, but the demon who possesses her, much nicer. <laughs> like I, I like you better possessed. You know what that reminds me of? Did you ever did you ever watch Futurama? Yes. Do you remember this one episode where Fry got a bunch of worms in him and they literally made him a better version of himself? Yes. I like I liked it better with the worms. <laughs> well, yeah, because he wasn't such, he wasn't such a, you know, uh, a useless tool at times. 
Uh, it also makes me think of something else. Uh, did, you, did you watch Scott Pilgrim? Yes, I did. Okay. The thing I loved about the ending was Nega Scott in that because Scott is such a jerk, his negative version would be a much nicer guy than him. Yeah, it was perfect. That's another thing I'd love to see one day, like in a comic where you have like this really jerk ass superhero and then somebody makes a negative version of him and just like the much nicer version of him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, but that's the weirdest. Well, what's your weirdest? Let's see here. Uh, not creating an entire universe, but maybe inspiring a character. Um, Jeepers Creepers. Okay. I don't know. There's something about that monster that just like really got my mind going. And I just kept making things based or inspired by it. Yeah, yeah, I can see that because I, at first, the first film, you're like, where did he come from? Yeah. Did he come in a parallel universe? Wait, did he come in for the pits of hell? Where, where did he come from? And the whole concept about the monster, how it eats people, and that you can't really kill it because then it just replaces the part you killed with one that he's eaten in the past. Yeah. That's thinking on your toes and also thinking possible sequels. Mm-hmm. I know the sequels weren't that good, though. The second one was interesting because... I love the whole thing about the end where they have him in his cocoon. And he's like, you have the guy there waiting. So when that thing's going to bust out any day now, and he's like planning to kill it when it, the second it comes out. I, I, I like what they did. The, the, the third one, which apparently had a very, very, very limited release, was like a prequel or something that happened between Jeepers Creepers 1 and 2. Mm. Yeah. yeah. No. I think the other thing I got inspiration from was like maybe some zombie movies and I try I'm currently trying to make my own little zombie story like something that I would make as a one-shot story like maybe like a long one like something like 40-50 pages just as a comic to put out there yeah yeah but then I'm like "Hmm, I gotta be careful because the longer I wait to do it the more likely somebody else is to think of the idea yeah pretty much um those interesting um the story I was talking about, I was uh, I was also influenced by the Evil Dead series. Mm. Yeah, because I had demon possession, I was like, you know, th- th- this is actually a good uh, ex- example because, you know, it shows how it was completely different from the whole zombie genre. Mm-hmm. This is not really zombies. If you ever really want to play around with flipping the script a little bit on demons and all that, because I've been doing a little bit of research for my own stories as well. And that if you look at earlier versions of the Bible, there isn't really such a thing as the devil or demons. Uh, the most popular exa- example is the word Satan. In the original version, Satan means prosecutor oh. or judge. So Satans were literally uh, a rank of angels that were responsible for prosecuting mortals. So a lot of the times what happened is when they translated it again, they would take the word prosecutor or accuser and replace it with the word Satan. So that's why you would see it so much in the Bible. And even the story of like the rebelling angels and all that, none of them included the word uh, the devil and all that. For example, the, the word Lucifer comes from the name of another angel who they just called the morning star. Uh, there's a lot of research you can do on this, but the fact of the matter is the way the original Bible is written, 
there isn't really much talk of hell and all that. And that, that is added much later in later transcripts as a way, in my whether you're religious or not, just looking at the history of it, is that it's in, included as to give something to scare people. Because in the original Hebrew Bible, there is no God. There is, sorry, there, there is a God in the Hebrew Bible. But there is no devil, there's no hell. That got added in as time went on. So I always thought about playing the idea of using demons in a different way because that's something that got popularized, especially with somebody like Dante. Like Dante's Inferno is not scripture, it's fan fiction. Yeah, yes, I would say that's accurate. Yeah. So what do we base off the idea of hell? The Bible, or do we base it off more of Dante's Inferno? Well, if you, if, it, if you think of a visual point of view, I would say Donnie's Inferno, because that really shows, you know, at least in his opinion, the levels of hell. Yeah. And the other thing is that the image of the devil was created by artists in that they took uh, a lot of depictions of other gods and would mix them in with uh, the idea of their devil. And that, that's why Lucifer, the devil, looks like Pan's theater. So when you play around with the ideas of hell in your comics, you can make hell whatever you want. You don't have to go by the Christian beliefs or the Christian images. You can write demons any way you want because there's always one thing that's, that's confused me. If bad people go to hell but and they're tortured there for being bad people, and the, but the devil is a guy who encourages sin and he brings the souls to him, like... There's some kind of disconnect there. If you think about it, you think spawn. There's that's a good uh, visualization. All the souls that go to hell become part of hell's army. But in Christian mythology, what happens is that when you go to hell, you're being tortured for being a bad person. So the way I look at hell in my stories is that I see it more as a giant prison. So what are demons? They're security guards. They're wardens. They're people there to make sure you get your punishment. Because that's how we see demons. People, they, they love to torture mortals. So what's the devil? He's the warden. <laughs> so that's how I like to see if <laughs> hell prison escape movie. Okay, you and I need to have a conversation because uh, I think we, I think our, like my story, yeah, that idea could work. Dude, yes. Like, think about it. You just have a a prison breakout movie, but it has the skin of hell and demons on it. Yeah, you and I have a discussion. <laughs> yes. I smell a joint collaboration. And not the first one, I hope. Not the first one. Oh, no, dude. I'm all about the crossovers. Yeah. I'm just, like, in the mindset of I want to finish my current project. But I feel like that's a lot of us in that once we actually get more of our stuff done, where we have more establishments of the universes that we've created, I could always, I could see all of us crossing over. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. Um, a lot of our styles are very similar. A lot of our tastes are very similar. So mm -hmm. it could easily fit in uh, one. It could be, also, it'd be great to see both of our logos on, yeah. a, on a comic. Oh, for sure. I'm just thinking like... What Western comic media needs to adapt is more things like Invincible or 
and not to sound self-gratifying right now, they need to involve more stories like ours, more people like us, and that people who can write a full series or who can come up with ideas and not be part of the greater universe, have it be their own self-contained thing. Because right now, the problem with Marvel and DC, like everything has to fit into it. They even had to bring in Dr. Manhattan into the DC universe as a villain. Well, I have to play uh, Jeff Johns for that one. Yeah. Putting that aside, if you start looking at these things as their own self-contained universes, you could have way more marketing possibilities. I keep saying this, but just look at anime. How many new stuff comes out a year? How many new stories are coming out? I think, uh, truth be told, if we're looking at um, not just manga, but also the anime, anime, anime series, mm-hmm. I have to say it's like six a year. Yeah. Because I'm always seeing new stuff on Netflix. I'm always seeing new stuff on even on uh, Adult Swim and those type of uh, programs because I'm like thinking, wow, there is so much content because they have so many damn ideas. Mm-hmm. Like right now you see a lot of like in Western media, you see more like new cartoons that come out every so often. Yeah. But cartoons are made for more a child audience. Like, how do I put this? There's the child audience cartoon and then there's the adult swim type of like bad animation on purpose style made for a raunchy audience. There's no in between. You don't see a cartoon or animated project made for people of our age range or teenagers and such. But you see that with something like Invincible because what is Invincible? It's a comic that's made for people of that age range. Yeah. Yeah. Like I remember a while back, like they had an Avengers cartoon. I tried watching it, but I'm like, yeah, this is so made for kids. The one, uh, Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes, which is, in my opinion, one of the best Marvel animated shows, which they had to cancel because they wanted to make a version of the Avengers, which was more closely related to movies. Whereas the Earth's Mightiest Heroes was based more on the comics interpretations of the characters. Yeah, I would say that's true. Yeah, but and then you have like all the Batman animated movies, which are made for our age demographic because they're based on the comics. Why don't we get a series, a self-contained series? It could be from the comics. It could be its own original property like that, like Invincible. We need more stuff like that. Well, you have a very interesting point. uh, Because if you you look at the original Batman animated series from the 90s, it's pretty much a a gap between the kids and adults because adults were watching this as well because Mm -hmm. they had a lot of adult themes in there. But it was still a kid's show. Yeah, they treated their audience as smart people. They didn't treat them like children. Even the X-Men animated series, I would say, was similar to that. Yeah. If we get back to that type of thinking, I think we could have uh, even more groundbreaking series. But the problem is, you know, they, these studios, they think about, you know, the merchandising. They think about the kids. Mm-hmm. That's part of the problem. You know, it came, you could still do that, but... You can still also have adults watching. Yeah. Let me just say, um, adults buy toys too, right? Okay. We are a very uh, materialistic uh, group of people, especially like nerds and collectors and all that. Like you can, like I said, once again, look at the goddamn Japanese market, man. You have any idea how many how many toys of sexy women they put out a year and they sell like gangbusters? 
it must be in thousands and thousands. Actually, funny enough, uh, in Japan, they have um, crane machines where you can win those statues. And they're actually not that expensive. Yeah. And they're not just like women figurines. They're also figurines of popular anime characters of, at that time. Like, for example, there's always Dragon Ball. Uh, there's always One Piece. And there's always the new hotness, for example. Like right now, it'd probably be like My Hero Academia. I'm pretty sure you can go into those areas, find a crane machine. Oh, cool. I can win a My Hero Academia statue. And the thing is, since they're in the machines, then they get resold, they get sold again. It's such a market, those things. Yeah. They need to start looking at that. Uh, the studios, especially work, merchandising and art. And they need to start looking towards that because that's like a huge, you know, learning curve right there. Mm-hmm. But the fact they still haven't, you know, quite figured it out, you know, they haven't quite gotten it is just mind blowing. Like, it's like a waste of potential. Mm-hmm. I remember actually a very good example of this. Uh, somebody went into a bookstore and they were filming the comic section and the manga section. So when you go to the comic section, it's all like just random collections of different comic stories. Like, for example, if you think about it, like you'll probably find Batman the Killing Joke, uh, Long Halloween. You're not going to find a series. You're just going to find random bits and pieces. Yeah. Then, then you go to the manga section. It's like series. Which volume of the series? Complete series. Series after series, all the different volumes. Well, the, the fact that they haven't, they, like I said, they haven't uh, you know, tapped into that potential of what it, the medium could be, you know, it's just, it's just a waste because... Yeah, we do like the, the type of miniseries that we're talking about, you know, these graphic novels. We like it. But, you know, to have a continuing series of books, you know, mm-hmm. that has a whole, you know, the condensed universe right there, they would be making millions and millions of copies, but yeah. they still don't do it. Yeah, because they have to put up their Batman, and then Super Batman, and then Batman Ninja, all like three different series that are all in the same universe. Like, God, how many different X-Men books are there at one time? And they're all like different names, different numbering, different writers. Like, I think there's what, like almost 900 issues of Spider-Man now? But that's not Spider-Man 1 through 900. You have Spider-Man 1 through this, and Amazing Spider-Man 1 through this, and then Ultimate Spider-Man 1 through this, Spectacular Spider-Man 1 through this, yada, yada, yada. It's all spread out throughout so many different runs, so many different writers. And you can kind of get a headache if you start going through it all. Because it it gets lost. Mm -hmm. Because outside of the original supporting cast, uh, supporting cast in comic books, they fluctuate in and out with who the current writer is. So cool, you have uh, Jeff Johns writing Green Lantern. He's done. So somebody else comes along. Oh, all the supporting cast characters, I don't know, I don't like them. I'll just, I'll find a way to kill them to get some cheap thrills. And I'll introduce my cast, who will obviously be long-standing. And then somebody else comes along and does the same thing. Yeah. It's sad, but it's unfortunately true. Long story short, what we need is more stuff like Invincible, which is the topic of the day's discussion. We just went around everywhere. Yep. Yeah. 
And I'm just happy to know that there's still three more episodes of Invincible to go. Like it's 40 minute episodes. Uh, fantastic, fantastic. All right, so let's like talk about that episode and we'll finish up for today. Okay. What'd you think of it overall? Like what happened, the animation, the fights? Like, what'd you think of this episode? Uh, you know, just from start to finish, I've always been fascinated by the animation because even though they, they looks, it looks very much like a comic, but I gotta tell you, the story uh, this in this episode, wow, uh, it's it's getting it's definitely getting crazier. But we're getting very close to where the story needs to go. Mm-hmm. And I always find myself not wanting to go there. You like thinking, yeah, kind of like holding off. I know exactly what you mean because when you know things are gonna go a certain way, but you're like, maybe it's not gonna go that way this time. Maybe they're gonna do it differently. But it's kind of this inside mental battle we're having. And I love the last episode, especially the fights. Like they brought Battle Beast in, and I'm like, I don't remember Battle Beast being in the comics this early. Yeah, that's this is this is the thing about the show. They, they need to change certain things, you know, to bring certain characters forward, but mm-hmm. it's also good. Oh, for sure. And you can see, like, because yeah. Lord knows. The mystery surrounding uh, Omni-Man and what he did, that didn't last that long in the comic book. Not to this degree. I remember that Um, the demon detective was only in there for like one issue. Yeah, that's the thing about these uh, animated series and animated movies. Where they have certain characters which they think they can fit into the background a bit more, they expand on a bit. Yeah. Like like what about Dark Blood, for example? Um, yeah, he was in one issue, but he's also tr- he's also trying to find out the mystery of why this happened and who did this. Mm-hmm, for sure. Um, I'm just glad to see we're getting some like new original content because, and we got to thank the boys for this in a way. It's sure because they really started the game because they showed you know they introduced a show where. Superheroes are very corrupt, mm-hmm. and they also show it in a much more, you know, richer sense because you're like, okay, if these guys are corrupt, then what about the normal guys? Well, how are they going to handle this? Exactly, and not just that, but it also brought in the adapting adult comics, adult, uh, adapting more mature co- uh, comics into a series, and then realizing, wow, this is actually getting an audience. People are watching this. Then you got Invincible, and they just announced on Netflix uh, Jupiter's Legacy. Yeah, the trend is uh, continuing. Mm-hmm. Once the, G- the G's out of the ball, it's not going to go back in. Yeah. Oh, and one last topic before we finish off. Uh, do you read My Hero Academia? No, but I should. I really should, because I've been hearing great things about it, and uh, I'm surprised I haven't read yet. Yeah, it's actually... Once again, uh, Hirokoshi, the guy who writes it, is inspired by Western comics, and then he wrote his own take. It's like, obviously, there's a lot of Japanese uh, trends in there. Like, for example, they're all in high school to begin with, but it does create a very interesting world. It creates a very interesting set of characters. Uh, the, the biggest hero on the planet is called All Might, and he has a very American theme to it. It's really funny. Uh, but yeah, I'm like, I'm reading it right now as it's going forward. And I think they're going to do a 
time skip in a while. Like they're gonna move away from the kid day, so to speak. But I would totally recommend checking it out. It has a lot of new takes on superhero tropes. Because it is a superhero story. But for example, and uh, what I was saying earlier, heroes work out of agencies. Yes, okay. So the way the heroes work in the world, you get a, a license to be a hero because to be a superhero, you have to go through trainings from when you're a teenager, you have to sign up for it. So you get trained by other heroes, you're taught about saving civilians, you're taught about rescue situations, you talk about what you're supposed to prioritize. And then you apply to different agencies in that, okay, cool, yeah, this agency, we see a relatively this much amount of crime in this area. These are the type of people we have to worry about. Uh, so you're going to go work here. And they have different places like this across the world. And it's like a more organized sense of superheroes. Yeah, because it's very interesting to read them because it's an entire different culture's take on how to do superheroes because in Western media, tell me how much have you seen the flying guy with the cape who's super strong? Not very. And more often enough, I can think of like 10 different Superman clones off the top of my head. At another one you should probably check out, which is another superhero story, is Tiger and Bunny. Tiger and Bunny. Okay. It has a name that has nothing to do with the series, but uh, it's actually a superhero story, and it's also really good, too. Um, I remember I, would make the, I made the analogy that the first villain is like the Joker. The second villain is like Lex Luthor. Okay. In that the first villain is more chaotic and destructive, and the second main villain of the series is more planning, methodical, and powerful. And that's actually a 26 episode series. So you can sit down, watch it over a weekend and like, oh, cool. This is a new take on a superhero show. All right, I have to check these out then. Yeah. You said you had Tiger and the Bunny, right? Tiger and Bunny and My Hero Academia. Okay. I can make sure it's to watch then. Yay. So I think that's going to be it for this talk. Ian, honestly, man, we should talk like this more often. I love it. Yes, we, we should. Uh, Absolutely, you're fun to talk to. Yeah, and uh, what we'll do is, uh, if you're serious about it, let's talk about the Demon Prison Break. Tell me the story you're working on. I'll read up everything, and we'll sit down and talk and work that out. Absolutely.